Welcome everyone out to the services this morning. Especially like to welcome any visitors we may have. We appreciate you being here with us today. We'd ask when the services are concluded, you stick around a little while and give us an opportunity to, to come introduce ourselves and to, to meet you. Landon, I appreciate your song service this morning. It's always good. Landon will always call in the morning that he's uh, has a, the song service and, and see what your topic is, and I sure appreciate um, him doing that. You know, since 1972, the General so uh, Social Survey has conducted polls, and they've asked just a few basic questions. All things considered, whether it be job, the economy, friends, relationships, your spouse, your marriage, your faith, religion, whatever the case is, all things considered, are you very happy? Are you pretty happy? Or are you not happy at all? The percentage who said very happy has far outweighed those saying not very happy for over 50 years, until the last few years. Today, 24% of people surveyed indicated they were not happy and only 19% stated very happy. The 24% of not happy people is a record high, and the 19% of very happy is a record low. There are num numerous other stats they bring out, but the bottom line is there are more people in society today, for whatever reason, there are more people unhappy than they are happy. And we can, again, contribute that to a number of things. We can blame it on society and the changes in society. Blame it on the schools or teaching things that they should not. We can blame it on the economy. We can blame it on a virus or how we react to a virus. We can blame it on Hollywood, on social media, the news, politicians, a political party, or all the above. The reality is the happiness of the average American is steadily declining. My question to you this morning is very simple. Are you happy? Do you find joy in your life? Do you find joy in your everyday life? Is there happiness in your home, within your marriage? Do you find joy and happiness in your relationships with your family and with your friends? Brother, what about in your spiritual life? What about in your daily walk with Christ? Is there joy there? Do you find yourself full of joy as a Christian? You see, here's the reality, and I've separated a number of these things that are, are parts of our life, but the truth is there's really no separation there. As a Christian and as a child of God, are you joyous? Or has life become, in general, too sad, depressed, or routine with no meaning? Brethren, has your faith become unhappy or without joy? I've mentioned this in the past, but my dad was in the insurance business for approximately 50 years. He had a number of clients and co-workers over the years that he would have religious and, and faith-based discussions with. And he told me one time, I'll never forget it, he was talking to a client that made this statement, y'all have just enough religion to make yourself miserable. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Sean Way saying, I don't get it. I don't even know what in the world that means. Are you miserable in your walk with Christ? Oftentimes we read the Bible and we do not see God's divine word directing our path. It's a rule book. 
We don't see his love for us. We see him telling us what we can and we cannot do. How many times have you heard your child get in the car and say, do we have to go to church tonight? And I know it's a child, but let's be honest with ourselves. We probably thought the same thing at times. Man, I'm tired. I've already put 40 hours in at work, and it's only Wednesday. I don't want to go to church tonight. We take what should be blessings, like helping our fellow brothers and sisters, and turn it into a task or label it a job and quit seeing it for what it is, the spread of Jesus. And we make it miserable. We find no joy because, quite frankly, it's just what we do. You've got just enough religion to make yourself miserable. That can also be translated as you've taken Jesus, you've taken your Savior, and you've taken your God out of your faith. What you do and the persona you represent or present to others is the priority instead of serving and worshiping the I am. Our lives become more important than our walk with him and therefore uh, our focus and, and the effects of our feelings and our emotions, our priorities become the focus instead of him. Well, Sean, man, you just don't, you don't get it. You're... You're in a dream world. You don't understand. I'm broken. I can't pay my bills. So yes, I'm unhappy. But I'm here to tell you this morning. You may be broke financially, but you need to remember that you are a child of God. And you're rich. Sean and I have a rough marriage. We are unhappy. And quite frankly, we're miserable. Brother and sister, I'm here to tell you this morning, you got a Jesus. And you got a Savior. Sean, we're battling disease. My wife is, my child is in the hospital. Brother, you got a God, a God that loves you. <clears throat> and I don't want you to get confused about what I'm saying this morning. I am not saying trials and tribulations will not occur and sometimes feel overwhelming. But, brothers and sisters, you are a child of God. Don't ever forget that. You have a creator that knew you before you were born. A creator that designed every cell in your body. A creator that chose your parents. Think about this for a minute. Chose your parents before you were ever in your mother's womb. That's your creator. A God that created everything that has ever been known to man. And so much more that has not been discovered. But can still number the, uh, number, the number of hairs on my head. He knows every thought that I've ever had. And every thought that I ever will. And get this. And, brother, he loves me despite of those thoughts. And he loves you. That's your God. And that is something to be joyous about and be happy about. Sean, are you just telling me right now God wants us to run around giggling, have a, have a joyous life all the time? All through Scripture, whether we study the Old or the New Testament, all through Scripture we see that we are to rejoice. Rejoice is defined as to experience joy and gladness at a high degree. Psalms 149 and 2. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful to the king. Psalms 97 12. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks to the remembrance of his holiness. Psalms 102. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. 
Psalms 96 and 11. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof. We can go on and on. Let's move to the New Testament. Matthew 5 and 12. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And I love this one. Luke 6 and 23. Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Philippians 4 and 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Again, we can go on and on. Seeing where he's telling us to rejoice and have joy. But brother, I believe it's pretty simple. And I submit to you that this morning that this is not an ask. He's not just saying, hey, you might want to think about this. This isn't a suggestion. I believe we as Christians are being told, or in other words, we are being commanded to rejoice and to have joy. God's people, the shining light to the world, are to rejoice. We are to be a joyous people despite the world. We are to be joyous no matter the politics, the economy, no matter what the world throws at us for one reason or one reason only, we are the children of God and we rejoice. You've got something others in the world do not have. You've got a Savior. You have a God that looked at you and said, you know what, Brent Fisher, you are worth my son. That's what you're worth. Greg, you're worth the blood of my son. Rejoice ye in the day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. And brethren, that's where we rejoice. We rejoice because of the cost that was paid. We rejoice because of the God that we have. And we rejoice for what is waiting for us. And brothers and sisters, if we truly grasp all the things, rejoicing will be natural. Although always a choice, the choice will be easy. Well, Sean, are you saying we will never, ever be unhappy? Are you saying we will never be sad or depressed or anxious? Of course I'm not. And that brings me to a point that I would like to make this morning. Folks, I believe you can be unhappy or sad, worldly definition. I believe you can be sad and still have joy and still rejoice. Let me ask you this. When you are being tempted, think of the last time you were tempted. For some of us, that was 30 minutes ago. Think about times that you were tempted and struggling. When you fall in deep trials, do you celebrate that? Do you run around with a grin on your face, hooping and hollering? Does that make you happy? Of course not. It's ridiculous. But James 1 and 2 says this, My brethren, count it all joy. Now listen to this. Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Sean Way is saying, what did that just say? We're supposed to be happy? No, we are to be joyous. And in verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, those temptations, worketh patience. You can read further down in verse 12 about what happens through our, through, through our faith when we overcome those temptations. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And that's what we rejoice. I personally have never faced a temptation that made me happy. <laughs> Got me feeling all smiling and laughing. No, I feel struggle. I feel inner turmoil. But I can still feel joy. 
I can feel joy because I know that struggle within me is a blessing. It's a blessing because it lets me know I'm still in the fight. It lets me know the spiritual warrior inside of me is fighting, and that's what we rejoice. All right, so be it, I get it. We're to show joy and to rejoice, but Sean, quite frankly, I struggle with that. I cannot find the joy in my spiritual walk, much less my life. I sure don't find joy while I'm at work or when I come home. Again, and we mentioned this in the opening, sometimes I think we look at our Christian lives let me, let me correct that. We do not have a Christian life and other lives. It's all-encompassing. It is, it is the life of a Christian. So we as Christians look at our lives and we see nothing but laws. We see commands. We see what we can and we cannot do. Our lives are dictated and I cannot make another choice for fear of, of judgment and condemnation. Some of us may even struggle with the same problems our brethren in Romans 6 did, we look at our lives and we miss our old lives. Yeah, we're doing the right thing, going through the motions, by our actions, but our heart is still lusting after the old selves. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace abound? God forbid. So although trying to live the right way and follow the rules, if you will, our heart is not where it should be. Because we almost resent our new life. And sadly causes us to resent God. Who has asked us to love him. By keeping these so called rules. And that brings us to another point or problem. That can cause us to lose our joy. And that is when we start going through these motions. Not only because it's the dreaded rules. Or maybe going through the motions for our own benefit. And for our own glory. If I am so worried about my glory and the praise of men. How can I rejoice in my God? Brethren, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot give God all the praise and rejoice in Him when you're breaking your arm, patting yourself on the back. When we try to one-up our brother or sister, when we compare our works with the works of fellow Christians, brethren, you want to kill your joy? You want to destroy God's work inside and outside of His kingdom? Let jealousy and envy creep into this family. Oftentimes, work at the church, whether it be cooking meals, showing up for work days, visiting the sick, conducting Bible studies, those things lose focus and they shift from God and His glory to us and ours. Allow that to affect relationships with your fellow brothers and sisters, and there will be no joy. Therefore, there will be no praise and glory to the one and only who deserves it, And that's your God. We can take the opposite side of that coin also. We can uh, begin to to compare our work and and our talents to others and start to question why brother so-and-so don't do such and such or why sister so-and-so don't do such and such. Well, she never gets up and helps in the kitchen. He never shows up for work days. We once again get a feeling of resentment that destroys our joy that we should have in this body. You know, I cannot tell you the number of times I have said, Tim has said, other brethren have said from this very pulpit, and we continue to identify this group of saints meeting here as our family. And brothers and sisters, that is absolutely scriptural and accurate. But let's not forget who this family belongs to. Let's not forget this is God's. This is God's family. 
a family that was purchased by the blood of our Savior. And the greatest destroyer of joy in our lives is when we begin to try to live this life without God and without Jesus. Sean, I want to rejoice. I want to have joy. I don't want to be miserable going through the motions as a Christian. What do I do to find this joy? Brother, I think first and foremost, you need to get to know your God. I do not believe a person who truly knows their God could do anything but rejoice and to be full of joy. Even during those times of trials, I know my God. Even during sickness and death of loved ones, I know my Savior, and we rejoice. Do you know your God this morning? If I want to have a relationship worthy of being called his child, I better get to know my God. Because, brother, quite frankly, he knows you. There are 12 names I found for God throughout the scripture, and I'm not going to try to pronounce all of them this morning. But names are extremely important throughout Scripture. The meanings mean something. Here you go. Twelve meanings derived from the names or could be called descriptions of your God. Creator God. Lord, Master. I like this one. The God who sees me. What does that mean to you? That comes from Genesis 16 and 13. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me. When Hagar, who really had no rights of her own, was in a horrible position, her God sees her. He is a God who personally cares about that relationship with you. He heard her cry and knew her needs because he sees his children. This is not a God that does not have a relationship with us. This is not a God who is untouchable. This is your Father, and He sees you, the God who sees me. The Almighty God, the Lord will provide, the great provider. Brethren, this is a lifelong study in itself, but your God is a provider. That's your God. You rejoice in that. Yahweh. I am who I am. I am Alpha and Omega. I am beginning and the end. I am everlasting to everlasting. I am the creator of all things. I am your father, your father that loves you and gave absolutely everything for you. I am. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals, the great physician. I personally find great joy and I rejoice and I know you know why. I rejoice with great joy that my God is a God that heals. But you know what? He just doesn't heal our bodies. He heals relationships. He heals marriages. He heals the brokenhearted. The Lord is my banner. If you look back in Exodus, you'll read of a battle and see the Lord is my banner enabled Joshua and the people to defeat the enemy. Brethren, when you're facing spiritual battles... When you're in a battle for the souls of your children, when you're in a battle to save your soul or your marriage, hoist up the banner. Your God is there and he's in the battle with you. Psalms 25 says, We will rejoice in thy salvation. In the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Romans 8 and 31, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? God is peace. And although this first appears in Judges involving Gideon, 
We have a God of peace today. Did you know one of the things that should bring every Christian great joy is the peace that you have in Jesus Christ? Do you have that peace this morning? Do you have peace in knowing that your relationship with your God has been reconciled because of your Savior? Do you have that inner peace, so to speak, when the world is falling apart? When everything around you is saying the world's, the world's going to crash any day now, what are you going to do? I say rejoice in the God of peace. He will provide because he sees us. Psalms 18 and 1. Young people, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get them out. I want you to mark this verse. It will serve you well your entire life. Probably one of the most reassuring, strongest verses you will ever read in reference to your relationship with your God and description of him. Again, Psalms 18, starting in verse 1. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spake unto the Lord of words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. For some of us, that don't mean just a whole lot. And I've encouraged you to do this before, and I would ask that you try it again if you haven't. If you want to get to know your God and you're struggling with that, struggling with some of these things, maybe it's just they don't mean what they should to you. I encourage you to go to a more mature Christian, an older brother or sister or a Christian that has gone through some stuff. When your child is sick, my God, my rock is the only sure thing you've got in this world. When you're struggling in marriage, my God, my strength is the only strength that you can muster at times. Get to know your God and seek wise counsel. Psalms 18 and 1 can be reworded as my God is my everything. He is my everything at my weakest moments. He is my everything at my strongest moments. He is my everything in the valleys and on top of the hills. Lord of hosts, O worthy of all praise and glory. It's just said with authority, ain't it? This is the name David used when facing Goliath. Just picture that for a moment. David is facing the giant of a man. 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 44. And the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not the sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands, the Lord of hosts. Brother, in all these battles we are in, whether it be mentally, physically, spiritually, how about we just let the Lord of hosts in our hearts, in our lives? The battle is the Lord's. And we often think he can't help us. He don't have time for us. Brother, rejoice that the Lord of hosts is your banner. Psalms 123. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. What does that mean to you? Brother, that's what we rejoice. That's what you have joy in. That is what you dwell on when things are so bad and you're so unhappy or even maybe miserable. I've got just enough religion to make myself miserable. That's because you don't truly know the good shepherd. The one whose goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Who is with me. Who leads me. Brother, my cup runneth over. And we rejoice in that. You want to have joy in your life no matter the state of your life? Get to know and have a relationship with your Heavenly Father. Study His Word and get to know Him. Again, you can start with a simple study of His name. Then dive more into His Word. Once there, you can stop looking at this book as a book of rules that affect you in a perceived negative way and recognize this book for what it really is. And you can study more about this in Romans 7, but you know the primary purpose of all the rules that we like to call them or the laws we look at negatively in His Word. You know why they exist? They're not there to make you miserable. They are there to show you that you need a Savior. So the idea that the Word of God cripples our happiness is debunked. The idea we are miserable because of perceived uh, restrictions is not true. We rejoice. We have joy in that fact. Joy in the fact that although we struggle with sin daily, we have a Savior. We have Jesus. We have the Son of God that came to this earth and was crucified for you. His blood washes and cleans. And brethren, when you see the law, see the blood that covers your sins and rejoice. Be joyous and be happy. You know, some of us, maybe someone here, maybe it's you. But some are miserable or unhappy in their faith because they doubt their salvation. They feel, you know, I'm just, I'm too horrible and I'm just not good enough. And brother, and I can see where that would make you miserable. It would be a very difficult thing to try to do in your faith if you were doubting your salvation. But if I know my God and I study his word, I will know that my God is a God of his word. And my God keeps his promises. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you will see your God face to face? You will someday be in the presence of the I Am. Brethren, you'll see the precious Lamb. Brethren, we must focus on that and what we have waiting on us. Colossians 3 and 1, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. John 14 and 2. Brethren, if you can read this verse and you don't get excited, if you don't feel like shouting from the rooftops and rejoicing, then, brother, you need to get to know your God and rejoice. John 14 and 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Folks, I want you to take a minute and just let that soak in. And I may have said this before, I don't know, but I want you to think about something else. I want you to think about the worst sinner that you know. You know, Aaron and, and Eric and now Tayton. They work in prison and jail systems. They used to, Aaron did. And they have seen some very horrible sinners. Worst of the worst. Brother and I have interviewed people that have literally done unspeakable and horrible things to other human beings. You know who the worst sinner I've ran across was? That's me. I am the worst sinner I know. Because I, because I know absolutely every thought I've ever had. I know absolutely every evil thing I wanted to say or every good thing I didn't say. Brother, I'm the worst sinner I know. Now, let me tell you why I rejoice and why no matter what this world throws at me, why I, I am joyous. I have joy because despite of how terrible I was and continue to be at times, my God is a God of love. My God is a God of grace. My God is a God of mercy. And my God keeps his word. And because of that, I have that peace in knowing my salvation. And I pray you do too this morning. 1 John 5 and 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Your God knew you would have struggles. And he knew you would have trials and tribulations. And he knew you would be prone to doubt at times. And he says, you keep your joy. A while ago, we read a very popular couple of verses in John 14. And like most every other preacher that gets up here, I left out what I call that little intro to that. So back to John 14. And how does it start? Right before he talks about how he's going to go prepare a place for you in his father's house. In verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe in me also. For those lacking in the confidence of their salvation, this is killing your ability to have joy as a Christian. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in your God and believe in your Savior. That's where you find joy. Even when you may not be happy, so to speak, you can have joy. You know, I used to always poke fun at my dad when he was preaching. And if he ever looked at me up here on the front row, I would even mouth his closing at him trying to get him to giggle. And Tim remembers this. I guarantee almost every sermon he ever closed, he ended it with something to the effect of, if you've never experienced the joy of being a Christian. Folks, as I get older, and I guess I realize there are a lot of things and a lot of people that are going to disappoint you in this life. You are going to have heartache. You're going to have pain. Brother, there's going to be loss. And there will be tragedy. There will be times that life just is not fair. 
Brother, there will be times that you feel like your heart is getting ripped out of your chest because your child is hurting or your spouse is sick. Through all of that, I've come to realize you want joy. If you want true joy, joy beyond happiness, true joy is found in your God. And it's found in your Savior. It's found in a God fearing and God-centered marriage focus on praising and glorifying Him. True Christian joy is found in the relationships of this church family. Are you taking advantage of those relationships? I pray that you are. I pray you see those for what they are and blessings from Him. I pray we continue to seek and exhibit the joy that we're instructed to have. And I believe we're instructed to do that for more than just our sake. Have you ever thought about that one? How am I supposed to bring others to Christ if they look at me and say, you got just enough religion to make yourself miserable? <laughs> My shining light just went a little dim. Brothers and sisters, we are to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are to plant and water. We are to bring others to Christ, and a lot of times that is simply by allowing them to see that you have something that they desire. You have a relationship with God. You have a great marriage full of joy. You have a great family full of joy. You truly enjoy coming to spend time with your church family and worshiping, praising Him, edifying others. If you want to stop the spread of the gospel in its tracks, appear miserable to the lost. Appear unhappy. Appear doubtful in your salvation. Oh, so you go to the pride of church, Christ? Oh, sure do. So you're going to heaven, huh? I sure hope so. Brother, that is not spreading the gospel. And that shows no joy. You're definitely not glorifying God with that behavior. Something else I want you to think about. You know, I've always been very humbled at the fact that my God desires something that I have. You ever thought about that? I think I mentioned this not too long ago. It's true. My God, the creator of all things that could force me to do anything, simply wants me to love him. You want to love your God? You obey him. Obey him when he says rejoice. Have joy in the knowledge of his love and his grace and his mercy. That glorifies the Almighty. I pray we all strive to be more joyous in our lives as Christians. Psalms 51 and 12 would be a great passage to read and to meditate and to pray on when trying to build up this joy. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. You may be sitting here here this morning saying, Sean, I lost my joy a long time ago. Folks, you can get that joy back. You can glorify God through your life. And your family here would love to pray with you and for you. If you're here this morning and never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, quite frankly, you don't have true joy in your life. You may have some worldly happiness from time to time, maybe even a lot. But you're missing true joy provided only by your Savior. God says you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You confess his name before men. You repent of your sins. You be baptized for the remission of your sins. Then you enter into the kingdom and have the hope of eternal life. And you, too can experience joy as being a Christian. If you're here this morning and you'd like the prayers of the church or perhaps you'd like to be baptized, we would ask you to please come forward as we stand and sing.